few years ago, I was asked to answer this question on a radio program. What is the biggest lesson you have ever learned? That was easy. By far, the most vital lesson I have ever learned is the importance of what we think. If I knew what you think, I would know what you are. Our thoughts make us what we are. Our mental attitude is the X factor that determines our fate. Emerson said, A man is what he thinks about all day long. How could he possibly be anything else? I now know with a conviction beyond all doubt that the biggest problem you and I have to deal with, in fact, almost the only problem we have to deal with, is choosing the right thoughts. If we can do that, we will be on the high road to solving all our problems. The great philosopher who ruled the Roman Empire, Marcus Aurelius, summed it up in eight words. Eight words that can determine your destiny. Our life is what our thoughts make it. Yes. If we think happy thoughts, we will be happy. If we think miserable thoughts, we will be miserable. If we think fear thoughts, we will be fearful. If we think sickly thoughts, we will be probably ill. If we think failure, we will certainly fail. If we wallow in self-pity, everyone will want to shun us and avoid us. You are not, said Norman Vincent Peale. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Am I advocating an habitual Pollyanna attitude toward all our problems? No, unfortunately, life isn't so simple as all that. But I am advocating that we assume a positive attitude instead of a negative attitude. In other words, we need to be concerned about our problems, but not worried. What is the difference between concern and worry? Let me illustrate. Every time I cross the traffic jammed streets of New York, I am concerned about what I am doing, but not worried. Concern means realizing what the problems are and calmly taking steps to meet them. Worrying means going around in maddening, futile circles. A man can be concerned about his serious problems and still walk with his chin up and a carnation in his buttonhole. I have seen Lowell Thomas do just that. I once had the privilege of being associated with Lowell Thomas in presenting his famous films on the Alan B. Lawrence campaigns in World War I. He and his assistants had photographed the war on half a dozen fronts and, best of all, had brought back a pictorial record of T.E. Lawrence and his colorful Arabian army and a film record of Allenby's quest of the Holy Land. His illustrated talks entitled With Allenby in Palestine and Lawrence in Arabia were a sensation in London and around the world. The London Opera season was postponed for six weeks so that he could continue telling his tale of high adventure and showing his pictures at Covent Garden Royal Opera House. After his sensational success in London came a triumphant tour of many countries. Then he spent two years preparing a film record of life in India and Afghanistan. After a lot of incredibly bad luck, the impossible happened. He found himself broke in London. I was with him at the time. I remember we had to eat cheap meals at the Lion's Corner House restaurants. We couldn't have eaten even there if Mr. Thomas had not borrowed money from his cutsman, James McVeigh, the renowned artist. Here is the point of the story. Even when Lowell Thomas was facing huge debts and severe disappointments, he was concerned, but not worried. He knew that if he let his reverses get him down, he would be worthless to everyone including his creditors. So each morning before he started out, he bought a flower, put it in his buttonhole, 
and went swinging down Oxford Street with his head high and his step spirited. He thought positive, courageous thoughts and refused to let defeat, defeat him. To him, being licked was all a part of the game, the useful training you had to expect if you wanted to get to the top. <laughs>